0: Hello and a very warm welcome to Episode 3, Season 2 of Nedpro Global Institute's podcast. My name is Sarah Anderson and I'm part of Nedpro's operations support team. For those of you who don't know, Nedpro Global Institute is a multi-award winning, interdisciplinary and international think tank anchored in Cambridge in the UK. The aim of our podcast is to show some of the work Nedpro is doing by speaking to some of our members. We'll speak about research, projects, events, and all things nutrition with people from various backgrounds and disciplines within nutrition and nutrition sites. If you're interested in anything discussed, then please do let us know. You can get in touch with us on social media via at NEDPRO, that's N-N-E-D-P-R-O, or via our website www.nedpro.org.uk. So, moving on. In our last episode, we were joined by some of the team who were instrumental in the success of NEDPRO's 8th International Summit on Nutrition and Health. Today, we're joined by the leads of this year's summit, due to happen in mid-July. The 9th International Summit on Nutrition and Health will have the overall theme of sustainable resourcing for all in food and nutrition security, with the subtext of creative solutions for healthy and resilient populations. So, without further ado, let me welcome our guests. We're joined today by Dr. Sofia Cavalleri and Sucheta Mitra, the co-leads of this year's summit, as well as Professor Shimon Ray, founder and director of Nedpro. Thank you all so much for being here today. I'd like to ask that each of you give us a quick introduction about who you are and what you do. Sofia, let's start off with you, please.
1: Sure, thank you so much for having me. My name is Sofia Cavalleri, I'm Italian. Uh, I am an ethnobotanist. Uh, so I just completed my PhD in Thailand on traditional Thai medicine and uh, local food systems. And now I've moved back to Italy to focus on traditional Mediterranean medicine.
0: Great. Thanks, Sophia. Um, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Uh, Sucheta, could you introduce yourself,
2: please? Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me as well. Uh, I'm Sucheta Mitra, and I'm the Assistant Director at NetPro, handling all things partnership. Funding and operations, and um, as and I'm, I've been with NetPro for four years now. And as this year marks our fifteenth anniversary, it's really special to be co-lead uh, co-leading this year's summit alongside my colleague Sophia. Um, yeah, thank you. Great, thanks, Sucheta. and lastly, Ashman.
0: Uh,
3: Hi, I'm Shimon Ray, and it's a pleasure to be at this juncture where we are well into now the 15th anniversary year of the NEDPRO Global Institute and also the ninth successive uh, international summit that the uh, global group that is NEDPRO has produced in continuous succession since 2015. So I really um, have a background in both clinical medicine, um, public health um, as part of that and also uh, applied human nutrition. And um, my interest is very much in uh, translating knowledge at uh, professional, public and policy levels and really, the summit is a key lever in being able to do that.
0: Perfect. Thanks, Shimon. And uh, yeah, it's a very exciting year this year, with it being VEDPRO's um, 15th anniversary. So maybe, Shimon, would you like to kick us off with an, uh, an overview of this year's summit, um, its theme, and, and what you would like to achieve from it?
3: So this year's summit is really strategically quite important not only for the NEDPRO Global Institute but potentially also for nutrition communities at large across the world. So over the past five years we have developed extensive uh, regional networks with uh, 12 different hubs in uh, multiple continents and reach into over 40 countries. So this has given us the ability to bring an interdisciplinary view together via a collective voice from all of the regional networks, which we hope to build on in this particular summit as we are exploring the theme of sustainable resourcing and how sustainable resourcing ought to be positioned as we try to seek food and nutrition security for the populations that we serve, which of course are diverse in their needs and also are therefore represented in different ways by the regions that we are connected with. Within that, what we're hoping to really emerge are creative solutions that actually draw from what is obviously a diminishing pool of resources that we all have access to worldwide um, whilst there is an expanding need um, at the level of populations, professionals and also policy makers. So by coming together, what I hope is that we will look back at the learning from the many previous years of summits, tackle the problem at hand around sustainable resourcing and really, together, gain consensus on ways forward that are creative but also effective and aligned with the 2025 goals of the UN Decade of Action on Nutrition and, in the longer term, with the 2030 goals around sustainable development and, within that, uh, better food and nutrition security. Thanks,
0: Siobhan. Um, I think, you know, our, our listeners will be able to, to tell that we, we're aiming to cover a lot during the summit and it does cover a very bo- broad spectrum of ideas and expertise and information. So I guess the purpose of this podcast today is that we'd like to break down the title of, of this year's summit into smaller pieces and address each of those segments, exploring past and current projects that NEDPRO is involved in um, related to that aspect as well as literature and research trains. So as a reminder to those listening that the topic of this year's summit is Sustainable Resourcing for All in Food and Nutrition Security, with the subtext of Creative Solutions for Healthy and Resilient Populations. If we're looking at the first word of, of the title, which is sustainable, uh, Sucheta, could you share some areas um, that NEDPRO is currently involved in
2: relate, that relate to this? Sure, Sarah. I believe um, at NetPro, we incorporate the aspects of sustainability in almost all our projects and initiatives. Um, Looking at the rate at which, or the manner in which the world population is increasing, the number of people who are malnourished, and also those eating a low-quality diet. So looking at all these factors and others, I believe NetPro makes a conscious decision of ensuring that the knowledge the expertise, the skill sets that we impart, or even the support system that we provide to the communities via our our projects and initiatives on nutrition education that is sustained beyond a timeline, which is the project end date. And um, that's really important for them, for the communities to take that learning beyond a certain date, certain expiry date. And in all these interventions we ensure that some sort of behavioral change has been implemented because that really is that goes a long way in uh helping the helping individuals and communities to take any knowledge further and help with the sustainance. um so we do combine all our latest scientific knowledge evidence along with strategic uh direction um ensuring three different angles of sustainability. So first is social sustainability. Definitely with all our initiatives, we ensure there's benefits for the society at large. Second, environmental sustainability. We cannot negate uh, the positive impact uh, we need to have on the environment. So whether it's through our uh, our flagship, flagship initiative, like the Mobile Teaching Kitchen Project, which I will mention a couple of times, In this session, uh, it's my go-to example. Uh, Whether it's through that project um, or other initiatives, um, we do ensure that communities, people, individuals, they uh, have a sense of how the environment is taken care of alongside other issues that are being addressed. And thirdly, um, taking care of financial sustainability. And when I say financial sustainability, that might not refer to profits directly for the organization but in a way the economic um, safety net for the communities because internally um, internal aspects such as knowledge training that has been imparted but also they need some external factors and the financial sustainability plays along plays an important role in ensuring the projects and the impact is sustained Thanks.
0: I um, hadn't really thought about that we could even, you know, break the title, each segment of the title even further down. But it's, it's really interesting to to hear the three different aspects that of, um, you know, keeping things sustainable. Um, Sophia, do you have uh, any uh, information to share on the literature or research trends related to sustainability?
1: Yes, uh, thank you. And uh, actually, um, I just wanted to jump in because what uh, Sucheta just said is super interesting. And uh, I studied sustainable development in my master's as well. And for me, it's been fascinating and mind blowing to see the approach that NetPro took to the sustainability and the sustainable development issue. Uh, Because usually in the literature, you can really see those three pillars of uh, environmental, economic, and social development. But then the health approach uh, is uh, um, sometimes missing. Um, And for me, uh, when we're talking about sustainable diets, uh, of course, it's important to mainstream the health component uh, into the other pillars as well. Because when we're talking about uh, uh, social, economic, and environmental components. Of course, we're talking about diets that are um, that are uh, compatible with the planetary boundaries, so environmentally uh, friendly, but also that can empower um, and really support communities from the bottom up as well. Uh, so, considering social, economic models uh, that are sustainable and not only sustainable but also resilient, so they can really um, be there and uh, uh, create sort of a food sovereignty for the local community.
0: Great, thank thank you, Sophia. Um, Shimon, do you have anything that you'd like to, to add to the sustainable aspect?
3: I think sustainability can be viewed in many ways, as we've just heard. Um, but the very important aspect of sustainability, which we'd like to explore is really how um, economic aspects of sustainability can be aligned with those relating to improvements in um, food systems um, as well as nutrition and health systems. And by that I mean actually feeding into the agenda on building stronger economics in terms of livelihoods, um, skills and communities that are financially resilient, um, whilst at the same time using that economic activity to impact food, nutrition and health-related outcomes. And one way of ensuring that sustainability could be to actually have multi-level dialogue with all of the different stakeholders that are responsible for the economics of the food supply chain all the way from production through supply and food environment to the point at which people make food choices, culinary choices, and then ultimately there is food consumption. Um, In a way where businesses um, and enterprise is far more sensitive to food, nutrition and health without having to compromise on economic benefits. To achieve this sort of systems change um, is complex but not complicated as we do have the knowledge and insights to map out in this ecosystem that is intersectoral and of course interdisciplinary where the pain points are that can bring together uh, economics, food, nutrition and health. So This is obviously a dialogue that we will begin with this summit, gain consensus on early actions, but I hope this is something that will propel us into the future and go from dialogue to decisions and actions that are, as we said at the very beginning, truly sustainable.
0: Thanks, Shimon. Uh, yeah, definitely a lot to consider when it comes to um, just the sustainability uh, aspect of things, and we're looking forward to discuss that further during the summit. Um, if we're following the same sort of format, um, the next the next uh, title segment is resourcing. So, Cheta, if you could elaborate on on any NedPro initiatives that come to mind when you think of resourcing.
2: Uh, thanks, Sarah, and uh, I think. We can see sustainable resourcing together, but even if you see resourcing in isolation, that uh, is important and very crucial for all our initiatives again, especially when we look towards adapting, scaling further and having adapted the same success models or success stories elsewhere in other regions, that's where it plays an important role. And um, as Shimon was mentioning previously about our regional networks, We have 12 regional networks, and we are constantly working on finding uh, the right aligned partners, collaborators, resources to sustain and replicate our models and projects just to have a wider reach and impact. And we do need a combination of resources for projects. For me, I would um, uh, like subdivide the word resourcing into skill sets and funding. Um, And when I talk about skill sets, we do have teams uh, within NetPro allocated for various projects and in each initiatives. And I must say they are a talented bunch with varied expertise, uh, whether on domain-related uh matters, but also interdisciplinary knowledge. Um, and even through various initiatives such as our International Academy on Nutrition Education um, or the Medical Nutrition Education Initiative, NEP Health, um, we are imparting. Or individuals are able to enhance their training, um, and on the other hand, through projects like MTK, communities in the rural and urban settings with zero or very little knowledge on nutrition or health or well-being, they receive um, receive skills and tools to become that future workforce and resources to carry on this work in the future. Um, so this is one aspect of resourcing that. I look at and the second one is funding and that's again um, as we all know it's really important for projects such as nutrition uh, education and um, in my experience talking with uh, different uh, individual partners and organizations funding for nutrition project is not similar in all parts of the world and um, we see that in our own regional networks in some we might get initial funding to adapt a model But again uh if we have that for five years and not more beyond that it really makes no use and the purpose is lost so we are always like in that continuous dialogue to how to not only uh replicate it but also sustain beyond a point and um therefore not enough resources definitely leads to the impact of not uh having the project sustainance um so Hope, again, hoping that this year's summit, we are able to engage on various aspects of uh, creative and innovative resourcing and uh, find more um, more ways, such as different sorts of collaborations, whether it's through private-public uh, partnerships or other ways um, to definitely find solutions to cater to communities worldwide. And would love to hear uh, what Sophia and Shimon uh, thinks about this? Absolutely. If I can
1: jump in there, because we've already been uh, discussing it and brainstorming together with uh, Sucheta, Shimon, and others, um, I think this is the pivotal word, uh, or for sure one of the pivotal words of the title, um, because it it also links to a broader uh, paradigm shift. So when we think about resourcing, we're also thinking about uh, reframing how we really think about sustaining projects and developing projects. Um, So we're broadly connecting it to an efficient use of different types of resources, not only financial resources, usually comes to mind. Uh, But also knowledge sharing, for instance, knowledge making and capacity building to be built on the ground um, with a collaborative approach as well. But also we were talking about innovation, uh, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial incubation and acceleration opportunities. Um, And these opportunities are crucial to empower in particular disadvantaged and marginalized communities and people. Um, So resourcing, uh, we've been talking about it uh, as uh, um, a way to reframe collaboration as well. Um, So to uh, envision different types of uh, co-creation of knowledge um, and also to give voice to different types of people as well. Um, But also, I think uh, Another interesting uh, aspect about resourcing is that you can really consider different types um, of already existing um, sets of skills or traditions. And uh, there have been some discussions over the uh, concept of traditional knowledge, for instance. That is an asset that many local communities already have there but it has to be uh, preserved, of course. But if we really can preserve this and, and leverage on this asset, it can really bring to innovation and alternative business models or economic models, as uh, Schumann was saying before. So this link, I think, between tradition and innovation is uh, something that is really, um, I have close to my heart. Um, But then, of course, the the theme is so broad that uh, um, I'm very interested to know uh, how it will evolve during the the summit, also through interesting discussions.
3: I think just building on what um, Sucheta and Sofia have said, as well as um, drawing down some of the emergent needs from the bigger systems picture that I was painting a moment ago. It's really important for organizations such as ours to really think about the different roles that we can play in sustainable resourcing, uh, particularly when connecting sources of finance, or funding and human resource, um, to the populations that we serve and also the policies that uh, we are looking to move, particularly uh, informed by new evidence that would come about uh, from research and innovation. How we do that can be obviously through direct action, it can be through the building of research models which have adaptability and the potential to spread and scale. It could be through the synthesis of knowledge that goes into education and training, um, equipped also with evaluation and monitoring. And it could also be in a way that, very importantly, facilitates other organizations and builds really consortia of diverse skill sets, which are more sustainable than single organization-based skills or interests. And I think the word collaborative was mentioned and really thinking more about that word, uh, this is something that we can move forward across the piece, by actually ensuring a more collaborative approach where not every organization needs to take up similar roles. But in fact, those with complementary roles collaborating together form part of a continuum, which moves uh, really from inquiry through the identification of problems that the products of inquiry can solve and then to assessing barriers and facilitators of knowledge and ultimately going into monitoring quality improvement and then feeding back into that cycle of knowledge to action in order to do this we need to think as collectives the summit is a great opportunity to build a collective community and to actually Distribute roles and responsibilities in how we implement the um, different uh, objects of funding, resourcing and really the lifeblood that needs to go to several different places in the food, nutrition and health landscape all at once. And that can only be achieved through effective collaboration.
0: Thanks, Shimon. I, I guess um, that's probably a, a really good segue actually leading into the next segment of the title because obviously all of this uh, collaboration um, bringing together everyone's different views and ideas um, is for the same purpose of having a, a, a good influence on the for all part of the title. So do you have, um, do you have any thoughts on, on what that segment means to you and who we're trying to, to do all of this work for?
3: We've heard many declarations that use the term for all, ranging from health for all to many different aspects of the pledges around the Sustainable Development Goals. But I think the summit that we're about to head into is an opportunity to define who we mean by for all, which segments of the population we need to prioritize and do so in a way where we actually target those who are at risk first, so going by the paradigm of specific protection of those who are most vulnerable um, through to populations which, if not protected in future, will become vulnerable. So, to me, for all really is about prioritizing temporarily where and in which populations we need to act in the most urgent fashion, followed by identification, looking to the future of those populations who will have emergent needs if we don't employ long-term planning.
1: Okay, so if I can jump in, I totally agree with Shimon, and I think that um, when I was thinking about the for all part, I was really thinking about uh, what my supervisor told me during my PhD that was like, you cannot find a one-size-fits-all solution, it has to change, and uh, this means that when we find a very good solution that can be Uh, so-called good practice or practice model um, it is not um, it cannot be applied to each and every context we need to find ways to adapt it uh, to different social culturally and politically um, different uh, also economically different um, scenarios so when we're looking at uh, communities uh, or uh, Uh, practices, we really need to look at them with uh, different lenses. And this implies, uh, as it was said before, an intersectional and interdisciplinary approach. And this is also why uh, collaboration is key here, because the more you collaborate with different stakeholders, the more you can have a diverse set of perspectives that can jump at the round table, uh, that can be present at the round table when decisions are being taken and when uh, research designs or uh, monitoring and evaluations uh, are being carried and uh, and, uh, finalized. So, yes, I just wanted to add that.
2: Totally, um, I think in line with what Shimon and uh, Sophia just mentioned and um, if I can just look back and look at our current work, um, which definitely guides us uh, forward, I think the fact that we have 12 regional networks and we are not limiting our uh, impact to a certain population group, it's really the evidence that we want to cater to possibly uh, all uh, groups um, uh, worldwide and We don't want to um, just limit them saying, oh, we want to look at the vulnerable group or marginalized, but also literally we look at their strengths as well and uh, how we can always provide a support system. Um, So in that way, we are also always rethinking our solutions, our ways, how we can adapt to different uh, settings, different groups. So in that way, we have to have our solutions and we do have them regional national and locally sensitive uh because as sophia just mentioned one size cannot fit all and uh that's that's where all population groups are really special and important uh for us when we think of a particular particular project uh planning stage or implementing or even thinking of new uh initiatives and new partners yeah
0: thanks uh Sucheta and sophia i am um... I tend to agree with the uh, concept that Sophia mentioned of, of one size doesn't fit all. But uh, if we're thinking about um, some of our solutions and how trying to um, how we're trying to make a model that works for many different groups, maybe one of the examples we can give is that you know in terms of scalability, um, the mobile teaching kitchen is being adapted into different regions, and uh, although they'll be personalised to each of those regions. Um, and uh, they're all kind of working off the same basis of the original one. So I don't know if uh, Sucheta, if you'd like to elaborate more on that.
2: Yes, that's uh, that's a wonderful uh, point that you've highlighted, Sarah. Um, MTK, as I said, is definitely special uh, to me and for many of us uh, working at NetPro, because it really, although it might be one particular model addressing uh, diet-related outcomes, but if you look at Uh, the different variations this model or this initiative has it can uh, cater to not only all but also uh, address different issues within um, the broader concept of uh, food nutrition health Um, and it started with a particular concept but now we are seeing that it's been uh, adapted to different regional settings and how uh, there has been certain um, changes in how it's adapted, whether how we adapt the recipes that we choose for certain population groups, but the methodology is pretty much same and it's actually um, proving uh, uh, successful for all uh, categories um, or all individuals that uh, we are uh, catering to. So yeah, that's uh, that's one of the perfect example that you highlighted, Sarah.
1: So something that I wanted to add is that uh, um, NetPro is is focusing on food and nutrition security, but these concepts are uh, connected to the uh, complex framework that is uh, related to sustainable food systems. And uh, when we talk about sustainable food systems, there are many concepts uh, such as uh, food security, food safety, food sovereignty. And some of these are more related to the uh, social economic uh, uh, kind of uh, um, lenses uh, and some others are more political in nature. Um, Food sovereignty is not directly in the title uh, but i just wanted to mention that uh, it's in there it's really mainstreamed um, in many many um, of, uh, of the projects of netpro that i have uh, read because uh, when we are talking about um, food uh, access and uh, control over food systems as well we're talking about uh, access and control over uh, um, power because at the end of the day uh, food is a form of power, and uh, having uh, being able to have uh, food independence uh, is a form of empowerment for local communities. So I just wanted to point out that that um, this concept of food sovereignty is not there directly in the title, uh, but is kind of under the broader umbrella of food and nutrition security.
2: I, I just like uh, jump in and um, I agree with what uh, Sophia said and pretty much um, continuing on our previous um, previous example that we were citing the mobile teaching kitchen initiative. I think um, through that initiative, we are able to, um, what Sophia mentions, uh, the power or empowerment aspect uh, that we provide to the communities. Uh, that's really ensuring that Uh, they have the equitable, or equal access uh, to affordable, uh, healthy and nutritional um, guidance and uh, tools, and um, that therefore ensures uh, that we are taking off food and nutrition security. Um, Yeah. Over to you, Shamal.
3: So, when considering food and nutrition security, I think, Uh, As Sophia said, um, it's important to also think about food sovereignty. Um, That could be at the level of a, a nation, a community, a family or an individual. And as Sucheta said, it's important to think about toolkits that, again, empower people at all of those levels. I think it's also important alongside those two sets of concepts linked with and nutrition security to think about literacy and um, i don't mean absolute literacy but i mean food and health literacy particularly because those with literacy may not necessarily have health literacy those with literacy and health literacy may not necessarily have food literacy so there are different permutations of literacy that we see in general in relation to health and in relation to food and this produces a very variable understanding of what constitutes food and nutrition security so even before we address this issue and think about how we go about ensuring resourcing and making that sustainable, one of the first steps is to increase awareness and align these different forms of literacy so that we really are working from common definitions but also uh, focusing on common destinations.
0: Um, Thanks Man. And um, still continuing with, with segmenting the title when we're thinking about the creative solution segment and how they can or should impact sustainable resourcing. Uh, Sucheta, do you think um, this relates to any of the work that Nedpro is currently doing or planning to do in the future?
2: Uh, Definitely, Sarah, and I think uh, we might have a few set of models and initiatives that we um, cite and we adapt, but they come with a set of creative solutions every time we want to adapt that similar model in a different setting. And um, of course, MTK um, is always um, an example that comes to my mind, but also other projects which looks at community nutrition education. So the health messaging part that is being imparted through these models, that in itself is really innovative and creative. How our project teams uh, work on adapting them making ensuring that uh, it's well understood and uh, by the different communities and how they can take those learnings and adapt them in their day-to-day lifestyle um but also enabling them to make healthier choices um and also through our current work that we did um in india with indigenous population i think we are using the similar model but uh, different variation and um here we are partnering with other institutions like um, University of East Anglia, uh, Charities Aid Foundation in India. And again, looking at the diet diversity of uh, the tribal and native populations in certain regions, um, most of the times there's really wealth of knowledge that these communities have. And it really takes, uh, and, and that's what our organization is doing to really enhance or build in their confidence of ensuring that solutions are there in their settings. And uh, through MTK, we are able to just make a few changes but or modifications, but the model remains the same, but we just like coming up with different messaging or how we are really um, um, imparting the training uh, or hands-on training modules in a creative fashion. Um, I believe we are co- again constantly thinking of new ways uh, how to uh, ensure the project has wider impact.
3: Um, just building on um, Suchet, those, um key examples, I wanted to say that the creative solutions piece is really something that um, we probably will see emerging as a product of the summit with inputs from multiple organizations, the uh, exemplary work of many individuals and groups within those organizations, um, and also really many of our own insights. Um, And to talk a little bit about the latter piece, um, we will be looking particularly as NEDPRO Global Institute, to talk about those aspects of our social enterprise and obviously um, one, the Mobile Teaching Kitchen Initiative has been mentioned already, Um, but those aspects of our social enterprise, which can provide adaptable or transferable models, those aspects of our independent research, be that from data science or human interventions or observational studies um, but really insights into uh, what works and what doesn't Um, and also bringing to the table some of the insights from our education and training efforts which are interdisciplinary at the level of professionals on one hand members of the public on the other, and of course, within these two many different um, segments. And finally, thinking about the advice that we have provided over the years to groups, organisations and populations and the learnings from which things have led to sustainable implementation pathways, and also the things that have not. I think all of these together will comprise a framework on which many other examples will be shared, um, debates and dialogue will be enabled, and consensus will hopefully be reached on creative solutions.
0: Thanks, Shimon. And uh, I think maybe in the interest of time, we'll just move on to the the uh, final segment of, of this year's summit title. Um, and that is for healthy and resilient populations. So, Sophia, I'd like to know um, what your thoughts are on this. And then, Sucheta, if, if you do have examples of NEDPRO initiatives, you can also share those.
1: Yes. So, uh, for healthy and resilient population segment. Uh, this segment is... Uh, uh the final one and a very interesting one because it opens up uh, broader discussions on what resilient populations are um so resilient to what um actually when we think about resilience it's usually two external shocks and these can be um for example a financial or economic crisis a political crisis uh, or a pandemic crisis as we've seen uh, in in recently. So um, basically when we are talking about healthy and resilient populations and communities, uh, uh, we're talking about um, a model that can ensure um, that these populations and communities can have uh, their food safety and food sovereignty, uh, which ensures that they have uh, um, kind of a, an independence uh, that they can be um, um, that they can really uh, not feel those uh, those shocks that are external shocks and that they can uh, stand up stronger. And this uh, um, crucial to this is uh, their knowledge uh, that they have uh, uh, their situated knowledge as uh, Sucheta was saying, because they already have that and they need to preserve that. So um, the kind of heritage that they need to preserve uh, can be uh, both uh, tangible or intangible. So it can be uh, cultural heritage, but also biodiversity that they need to preserve uh, at the local level. And uh, I think uh, if we are aiming towards uh, um, resilience and sustainability, um, the a situated approach must be uh, taken into consideration alongside with the, um, the achievement of the international agenda, UN agenda, as Schumann was saying at the very beginning of the episode. Uh, so of course we need to ensure that SDGs are being met and uh, the agenda 2030 is being met, but also that we can uh, effectively Situate and localise those SDGs uh, at the local level.
2: Yes, I just um, I would definitely repeat uh, the the project that uh, we mentioned before with the indigenous population uh, known as the Santal Parajanas in the eastern part of India. But alongside um, uh, that, we've also done a recent piece of work um, with our partners in India and Oxford University, looking at climate change and um, Heat resilience, how it's affecting the food and health systems. And um, this is something uh, was quite interesting for me to uh, personally uh, interact with communities um, in Kolkata and Delhi uh, in India. And um, the the some some people they know what climate change is, and others they don't, and how that's affecting their livelihoods, health, nutrition and other aspects of well-being that was quite um, uh, interesting to hear from them and that's, that's one work that we are uh, planning to take it forward and I think that's somewhere the local knowledge uh, but also our, uh, the support from all our partner organizations will be extremely crucial um, to build the resilience of these population groups going forward.
3: I think I might cap off from my side also drawing out the kind of broad definition of health, which really encompasses multiple dimensions. Um, So on one hand, the sort of classical six dimensions are physical, mental, social, vocational, emotional, spiritual. Um, But on the other hand, uh, one could argue that um, they perhaps don't know anyone who is in perfect health in all of these six dimensions. But lighter notes aside, I think it's about really reminding us that there is an optimum point of equilibrium that individuals and collectively populations reach when all of these six dimensions are on the positive side of the healthometer. How do we measure that? Um, There are many different ways of measuring um, health outcomes, but also there are population-reported health outcome measures which give us indicators of the different determinants of health. However we measure it, and of course, shocks to systems um, are a test of um, the resilience that goes with good health. The one thing we do need to remember is this multi dimensionality, which goes beyond just the physical definition <clears throat> and really leads us to think about a biopsychosocial model with other overlays such as um, faith and belief systems around it, that is really the prism through which we are trying to understand and improve the health and resilience of populations. And for this, I think we ought to, as professionals in health, food, nutrition and related disciplines, approach this topic with the greatest humility knowing that for every teachable moment that we encounter, seeking to create sustainable resourcing solutions, for each knowledge bite that we transmit, there are many, many more for us to receive, assimilate, and really understand so that we are, as was said earlier, truly co-creating a multi-dimensional picture of what constitutes health and resilience and looking at how food and nutrition sit within that and indeed linking back to how we can resource that not just now but well into the future and make that sustainable for one and all.
0: Um, also very exciting that uh, this year's summit coincides with NEDPRO's 15th uh, anniversary, so we'll be looking forward to doing those celebrations as well. As a reminder, the summit is due to happen on the 15th of July, uh, with a number of satellite events uh, due to take place in the weeks leading up to it. You can register for the event via our dedicated page on the website by going to www.nedpro.org.uk forward slash summit. Um, I'd like to uh, thank Dr. Sophia Cavalleri, Sucheta Mitra, and Professor Shimon Ray for joining us today. It's been really interesting to do this deep dive into uh, the summit theme, and um, hopefully you've got a good idea of what to expect and um, are excited to join in on the conversation. Uh, thank you very much for listening, but so we really look forward to seeing you all virtually uh, in a few months time. Thank you very much.